You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Today we're going to be back in the book of Acts, and I'm excited as we study the Acts of the Apostles, the story of the early church, and what we've said along the way, the book of Acts is really the story of a church with a purpose. And we broke the uh, book of Acts down into four sections. We started with the idea that we're created with purpose, and that's kind of the early church, how God started the early church. But it's not just the church that was created with purpose. Each of us are created with purpose. And we moved into the second section where we needed to find the purpose. And uh, we need each of us to understand who we are in Christ find what, what God is, wants us to do, and then we moved into the third section where we're living the purpose, living on purpose, and that has brought us up to Acts chapter 17, and we've made some progress. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're making progress. And I want to just say that I believe we've got the best staff ever And I just want to thank them for helping us lay out this series in this way. They make me look good, uh, and that is the truth. But today, we're going to move into the last section, the cost of purpose. And in seven weeks, it's going to be miraculous, and we're going to do it. In seven weeks, we're going to wrap up the book of Acts, and then we'll move into missions time, and it's going to be an incredible fall. Uh, But like any good story, any book you enjoy reading, uh, maybe a fairy tale, you might expect, if you haven't read the book of Acts before, you may be looking for the little term that says, and they all lived, what, happily ever after. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, the truth is that the disciples, because of their passion to reach one more, their passion to advance the kingdom of God, their passion to make Jesus famous, it came with a cost, with a price tag. And I just want to remind us that the first 17 chapters, we can't forget that it was not easy for Peter, who was the main character for the first half, and now Paul for the second part of Acts. And it doesn't get easier for Paul. In fact, if you turn with me just real quick to Acts chapter 21, verse 13, This is Paul. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And he says, look, I am ready not only to be bound, because he's been bound before, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, man, it doesn't just happily ever after, you know, that all this, you know, why do things get so hard? Why do things continue to seem to get worse not only for Paul, but for many of the apostles. And part of the answer is that the church leaders did not compromise. And I want to take just a second here as we launch into this idea that there's cost that comes with purpose. It comes with a cost. The disciples, they were shaking the world for Jesus, and they did not waver. And today, there's this idea that, you know, to win the lost, you got to be like the world or become more like them. And the disciples, they didn't waver. They didn't compromise the message to reach their culture. Today, there might be this idea that to, uh, to take away what people don't want to hear and maybe to twist things to just to kind of uh, give them what they want and to make it comfortable. And listen, the disciples, they didn't make anything comfortable. <laughs> and that's the truth. They didn't soften the ideas about Jesus. They didn't say, well, no pressure. You know, just give it some time. 
They didn't try to be cool like a lot of people try to be, oh, yeah, we're going to be cool and bring out the stool and the table and a bottle of Snapple to preach, right? Um, don't worry, I'm not going there. Um, uh, I realize, and my kids remind me often, I'm not cool, and uh, that's okay. But the disciples, they weren't cool necessarily. They didn't try to sell the gospel. They didn't try to spin it or s- slow it down. The apostles didn't do any of these things in the book of Acts. And they were shaking the world for Christ. And there was a mighty harvest coming. And by the way, I believe there's a mighty harvest coming our way here at the Gateway Church. And it came because they didn't compromise. And I mentioned already the North Central University, President Hagen, talking about if you, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we're talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, but they don't honor God's word. Listen, you can't love Jesus if you don't love the Bible. And we love the word. And the truth is, if you love Jesus and if you love the word of God, there will be a cost. It's just the truth. The early church experienced it, and we're studying that. For 2,000 years, followers of Christ have experienced it. And if we are going to see the harvest that God wants us to see of souls, we will experience it as well, the cost of purpose. Now, when we come to Acts chapter 18 today, give you a little background. I want to remind you where we are in Acts chapter 18. We're on the second missionary journey of Paul. And uh, we can put up the map and uh, go ahead and put that map up. And we started down in Caesarea down here and uh, Jerusalem's a little below that. It kind of makes your way up and around. And uh, remember, uh, this journey has not been easy. It started off with Paul and Barnabas. They, they, uh, they kind of uh, separated, kind of started on a sour note. And then Paul takes Silas with him, and in Philippi, he's beaten and imprisoned, if you remember. They make his way to uh, Thessalonica, and Paul has to flee for his life. He makes it to Berea, and uh, again, they have to get him out of there. And uh, Paul and uh, uh, Silas and Timothy, they go, uh, they go one direction. Paul goes then to Athens, and he kind of goes down the coast to Athens, kind of in this area over here. And uh, he's in Athens, and he doesn't get much of a response there. And then we come to Acts chapter 18, verse 1, and let's look what it says. It says, after this, Paul left Athens, so... Well, you can't do the both the map and the other, but if you can imagine, actually go back to the map just for a second. Uh, we got, so he leaves Athens and he crosses over. There's this channel and uh, he crosses over to Corinth, okay? So just get this in your mind. So after this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. Now, at this point, he is discouraged. He's weary. Some commentators believe that Paul would have been physically ill. And I know we're just picking it up in Acts 18 and we can't forget all the context of how we got there. Um, But he's alone, he's isolated, and he's isolated in Corinth, which is a very wicked city. A few years ago, we preached through the book of uh, 1 Corinthians and we talked a lot about it. And there are a lot of parallels to America and uh, the church in Corinth, the city in Corinth um, today. And uh, anyway, I just want to remind you that if Rome was the political center of the time and Antioch, which we talked about six weeks ago, was the cultural center, then Corinth, uh, it was described as the sensual center. Uh, It was sexually charged. Um, In fact, um, to be 
called a Corinthian, if someone said, oh, you're a Corinthian, it almost meant like you were immoral. I was trying to think about it in the United States, what would that might be like, and I hope no one's from Las Vegas, but like, oh, if you're from Las Vegas, you might think, ooh, you know, you know what are you doing there, right? Uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, but anyway, but it's that kind of idea. And if you were a woman from, Cor- uh, from Corinth, and, or you were called a, a Corinthian. So if someone came up to my wife and said, well, that's a horrible example. Um, someone, uh, we're not going to go there. Say, say uh, you know, there's a woman here. Say, oh, she's a Corinthian. They would assume that she was a prostitute. And, uh, and so that's, that's just how it was. Uh, and, and so I, that's why I, I stick to my notes, right? But, um, but Paul, <laughs> he's writing... It's, it's interesting. Romans chapter 1, you can read about it. Paul is writing to the Romans, but he's in Corinth, and he, t- he kind of describes, and I was going to read some verses, and we're not going to take the time to do that, uh, but he describes this kind of sick and perverted, sexually charged. I mean, he talks about just really gross things, bestiality, homosexuality. It's like this cesspool of, of sensuality, and Paul ends up there in Corinth, and he's in weakness, he's fearful, uh, he's got this distress, he's been persecuted all the way along, he's discouraged, he's weary, and, uh, and nobody in their right mind would have blamed Paul at that point, saying, hey, is it time to give up? If he was saying that, is it time to just throw in the towel? If, if Paul would have said, okay, I'm checking out, I'm, you know, I'm just going to retire, someone else can carry the torch from here, no one would have said uh, anything about it. But that's not what Paul does. And you, who could have blamed him? He'd given it a good run. And in chapter 18, it doesn't stop. I just want to show you two areas that the persecution continues. Acts chapter 18, verse 6, it says this. It says, but when, he, uh, or, but when they opposed Paul and became abusive, so now he's being abused again, he shook off his clothes in protest and said to them, and he, he kind of you know, gives them the, um, the snubs his nose at them. Also in verse 12, uh, the idea says, while Gallio uh, was proconsul, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to a place of judgment. So, I mean, this is serious, and it doesn't stop. He just continues, and uh, he finds himself. But what I want you to see this morning, and I really believe this is a word from the Lord, that God does not leave Paul high and dry. (laughs) In this morning, if you found yourself here discouraged even a little bit, or maybe you've been harassed, or maybe you feel like people hate you, or that you're worried about something, the same is true. Listen, God, he doesn't leave his children high and dry, and he's not going to leave you high and dry. Instead, what we see in chapter 18 is a side of God that some people ignore and others just never focus on, and it's the side of an encouraging, loving Heavenly Father, the encouragement of God, a God of encouragement. And there are three ways that Paul is encouraged by the Lord, and that's what I want to focus on here in the next few moments. The first way is this. God sends Paul in this really hard time. He sends Paul some friends. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. He says, There... 
he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, verse 3, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Now this is, as far as we know, this is not a couple that Paul knew before this, but Paul needed a couple like Aquila and Priscilla in his life at this season. In fact, they become very close, and you read a lot about Aquila and Priscilla all throughout the rest of the New Testament. Paul is referring back to them a whole lot. And what's neat is that even though they're really kind of refugees, Claudius had kicked them out of Rome, and, uh, and most people believe it was for Christ's sake, but uh, they, they were kicked out, and they end up in Corinth, and Paul and, and uh, these, this couple, they meet, and they had something in common. They were leather makers. They were, they were tanning leather, they, and Paul needed to make a living at that point, and so he goes to work making tents with Aquila and Priscilla, and they became friends. Now you say, well, didn't Paul you know, continue to preach? Well, he did. Verse 4, it says, Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and the Greeks. And so on the weekends, he would be in the synagogue, and he'd be preaching the word. But throughout the week, he was tent making, he was leather making, and tanning leather, and, and making, making these goods. Paul, he needed some friends in this season of his life that stuck with him for the rest of his time. Verse 5, uh, he also got some old friends to come back. It says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, look what happened. Paul devoted himself exclusively now to the teaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. And remember, uh, if you remember, you go back, that um, Timothy and Silas had gone off and, and they had separated from Paul, but now they're back together. And again, Paul needed some friends at this moment. The other thing that you can discern because of what it says is that now Paul was devoting himself exclusively to the preaching and teaching of the gospel, making Jesus known. Um, they, they were coming from Macedonia. You can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and you can look at that later. Uh, that's where it talks about the church of Macedonia, that they welled up in great generosity, and uh, even in uh, a difficult time, they sent offerings to bless Paul. And, uh, and so at that point, now Paul is exclusively preaching and teaching full-time in ministry. And uh, the, the big thing I want you to see here, though, is that Paul was encouraged by the people that God allowed him to associate with. And he sent him friends. And this morning, if you are in a place where you're discouraged or you're isolated What's the application for you? Can I just be super clear? What do you need? You need some good, godly friends. It's just the truth. And we are providing a way this fall. And I don't think we've passed out the clipboards. It just maybe it was meant to be. I thought we were supposed to get those going. Uh, let's go ahead and get those going here, Bruce and Bobby and Logan. And uh, these are small groups for you to be considering and asking the Lord, uh, where could I connect? And our goal is for everybody to be connected in small group and to, to be living life together. There's a power of being together. Someone else, you say, well, maybe I don't need it or I'm doing okay. Listen, someone else needs you to be in that group. Paul needed Aquila and Priscilla and Silas and Timothy. And I was thinking back a few years 
And um, this week, and as I was praying about this, there was a season in my life just a few years ago, and some of you were with us, that I came down. This was after we pulled the trigger for raising the funds for the building, and I came down with shingles. You guys, does anyone remember that? That was bad. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, it was bad. And uh, I was in misery, having a hard, hard time, and, uh, and I had shingles. And there was one friend of mine that took time out of his day, canceled appointments, I think, if, and I was actually chatting with him this morning. My friend Matt Biller showed up at my house, and he just, we just sat with me for an afternoon. And I just remember thinking, man, uh, I was just reminded of that this, this week as I was preparing, seeing how important that was in my life at that season. My friend coming just to be with me. And that's the type of friend I want to be, and I, that's the type of friend I hope you are. And we've got to be together to know each other, to be able to care for one another in these difficult times. For Paul, it was a difficult time. Let's look at it again. It says, when, but when, verse 6, uh, but when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, you blood, your blood is on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I'll go and teach the Gentiles, right? I'll go to the Gentiles. And then look what happens. Um, his friends are there. He's been encouraged along the way. It says, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of uh, Titius, Justice, the a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinths who heard Paul believed and were baptized. That little phrase there, they were believed and were baptized, that may never have happened if Paul didn't have good friends like Aquila and Priscilla, Silas, and Timothy. I want you to see the importance of that community that kept Paul going and it resulted in salvation and resulted in water baptism. God sent Paul some friends. God is a God of encouragement. If you're with me, say amen. amen. The second thing is that God sent Paul a word. Is a word from the Lord to strengthen his faith. Let's look at it. Verse 9 says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. This is what he said. He said, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. If you're here this morning, again, and you're discouraged, you're weary, you're miserable, you're isolated, you need a word from the Lord. You might think, well, yeah, that sounds great, but I've never had a vision from the Lord, right? The Lord's never appeared to me. Good for Paul. What about me, right? And how many thought, you know, you're thinking it. I know you are. Listen, some of you are thinking, if God would give me a vision, that would help. Well, listen, how do we hear from the Lord pr primarily this day and age? Through his word, am I right? And we have given you a tool it's called soap, where you get in God's word a little bit each day. And I want to encourage you. It's the 2nd of September. This month, you can hit it and be right on track. We're studying the book of Luke, and then Proverbs, and then Romans, and then Revelation by the end of the month. And you can be right up to speed. And God's word, on a daily basis in your life, it makes a difference. And I'm going to step on some toes there are some godly 
what I would consider some mature believers in the room right here, right now. And there are some of you that do not take God's word each and every day like you should. And I've been guilty of it in seasons. And maybe you're in that season and this, just consider it a kick in the rear. My, um, and you say, well, you know, if God would just speak to me like he did Paul, and I want you to see something. This is really kind of neat. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 41 real quick. Let's say you're bopping along and, and uh, <clears throat> you're experiencing some hardship like Paul. And Paul, uh, and you don't have to be in Acts 18, but find uh, Isaiah 41 or Isaiah 40. Um, and, you know, it says, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, for I am with you, all right? And you say, man, wouldn't it be great if I had a word from the Lord like that? Look how God could speak to you this week. If you're bopping along and maybe Isaiah was on the, the reading list, and you come to Isaiah chapter 41, uh, verse 10, and it says this, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And all of a sudden you stop and you say, that's a word from the Lord for me for that day. That's how it works. Or if you fast forward to Isaiah chapter 54, just a couple chapters uh, uh, ahead of that, and you look at what Paul received a vision from the Lord. He receives a word from Jesus himself that says, and no one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in the city. And you're bopping along, you're reading the word of God. And look, all of a sudden you're in Isaiah 54, verse 17 pops up. It says, no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And you say, pause. Say, God, that's a word from the Lord for me today. See how it works? How important God's word is? In God's word, you can do that. And that's why we encourage you to write with your soap, to, to uh, talk about what do you observe and how do you apply that, and then write out a prayer. God speaks to us through his word. And it's not only his word, God also speaks to us through pastors, through leaders. God speaks to us through our spouses. If you're married, I believe that God can speak to us through our kids, through our friends. God can even speak through a donkey. How many have read that story, right? And I was thinking not about donkeys, but I was thinking about my friend Matt Biller again. Don't tell him that we made that connection. <laughs> Just happened to turn the page. And uh, when he came and he sat with me that afternoon, he really had a word from the Lord for me. And, uh, and it was tough for him to, to share this. And I've shared this before, but I'm sitting there just miserable, ready to, to die and uh, with shingles and just all this pain. I didn't even want him to come over, but he came over, was there, and he spoke to me two words. And he, it was, the first word was rest, that I needed to learn how to rest and to really uh, honor the Sabbath, and I had not been. And it was a rebuke from the Lord, but it was the right word. And the other thing he said I'm still working on it. He said, you need to learn to listen to your wife. And some of you were mouthing that with me because you remember. And, uh, and so I'm still working on that one, Jess. And, uh, and uh, listen to your wife. <laughs> and I'm just grateful that God, he uses us to bring a word to someone else. 
And I want you to be available, open, and ready for those types of interactions. Now, in uh, Acts chapter uh, 18, verse 11, after that word from the Lord, what does that do for Paul? It encourages him. And look at verse 11. It says, So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. It gave him another year and a half of encouragement, of strength, because a word from the Lord. I'm thinking that was a couple years ago, and I'm still hanging on that word from the Lord through my friend Matt to rest and to listen. God is a God of encouragement, isn't he? He brings friends. He also will give us a word. The third thing that God does is he stopped Paul's enemies right in their tracks. I'm going to read it in Acts chapter 18, start in verse 12, and just kind of follow along through 17, then I'll explain what's going on. It says, while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews from, of Corinth made a united attack on Paul. It's getting bad. And they brought him to a place of judgment. This man, they charge, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. And just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio uh, said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or a serious crime, it would be a reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter, your, the matter yourself. I will not be judge of such a thing. Verse 16, so he drove them off. Then the crowds there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, poor guy, and they beat him in front of the proconsul. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. So this is getting bad. He's in Corinth, and, and he's on trial. They brought him in. And what does God do? God steps up, and he fights Paul's battle. Paul didn't have to fight for himself. And then God used, in this case, Gallio to to dismiss the crowd and say, look, you deal with this. I'm not dealing with this here. And look what the result was. Verse 16 says, so he drove them off. All of the accusers were driven off. The Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father, he does the same for us when we are in a tough spot. God can fight our battles when we put our trust in him. When you're dealing with your own personal demons or your own personal issues, the Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father, He fights our battles. Our God is a God of encouragement, and He brings it in waves. And in this case, the Lord brought it right at the right time for Paul, and he continued in ministry, and God continued to bless him. God used friends a word from the Lord, and God stepped up and said, you know what? I'm going to bring encouragement by fighting your battle, Paul. And he took care of the issue for that day. Isn't that amazing what God does? God is a good God. And that's what I believe that the Lord wanted us to experience this morning. And then something happened yesterday. Um, not yesterday, it will happen this week, but I was, became more aware of it yesterday. Um, some of you have followed in the national news about the pastor, the young 30-year-old pastor uh, of the Inland Hills Church in California, Andrew Stocklian, I think that's how you say his name. 
who after, at 30 years of age, lost his battle of anxiety and depression. And there's a guy by the name of Kerry Newhoff that has been a real blessing to me. I listen to his podcast, and he's got a blog, and uh, he's, it's kind of Christian leadership and uh, for pastors. And he wrote a blog that uh, showed up in my inbox yesterday um, about leadership and suicide. And I thought, man, you know, I'm talking about this, and I was sitting down and studying yesterday. And so I opened it up, and, um, and the, the, the message or the, the title is When Ending It Seems Like the Only Way Out, and it caught my attention. I started reading it, and, uh, and it was a hard post to read. In fact, he uh, mentioned uh, his, this Andrew, his wife, uh, who had made a, a tribute, and I read that tribute on her blog, and I'm literally crying in my, uh, in my kitchen yesterday. I was the only one home, thankfully. No, no one saw him cry. But, um, and it just talks about um, this guy's struggle with anxiety, depression, but then Carrie Newhoff, who I really respect and, and uh, listen to a lot, um, he talks about a season of his life that he almost never has shared from 2006, so 12 years prior. And he goes on and he talks about that. He talks about his story. And uh, it's just a really, really good article. And he talks about the negative voices and, uh, that, are, that they lie to us. It says, do, do people you love a favor. Don't listen. Don't give in. Don't give up. The negative voices are lying, is what he said. And then he says there's five things that he realizes now that he didn't know then. And when I read these, I said, you know what? We've got to share these. And they're not on the screen, but if this resonates with you, I made copies of all of this, and there's, uh, they're on the back uh, of the uh, sound booth, and you can just grab one and take it, read it, and if, it, if this resonates with you, I believe that this is going to resonate with some that are here. Number one, uh, he says, it's difficult to communicate how dark it gets. And he's talking about his own story, about his own struggle with suicidal thoughts, and it wasn't anxiety and depression so much for him, but it was burnout, and so it could be a variety of different reasons of why. And then he pulls in from this guy that took his life from his wife, Kayla, and, uh, and writes this. Uh, she writes this. She says, you were right all along. I truly didn't understand the depths of your depression or anxiety. I didn't understand how real and how relentless the spiritual attacks were, the pain, the fear, the turmoil you must have been dealing with every single day is unimaginable. And I'm reading this. And realizing that leaders know that the way you appear on the outside is different than the way you feel on the inside sometimes. And that's not just leaders. Isn't that the truth for all of us? The second thing he says that in these cases, it's spiritual. Kayla, again, writes about her husband, says, The enemy knew what, you, what an amazing man you were. The enemy knew God had huge plans for your life. She goes on and talks about it. He goes on, he says, look, there is an enemy and he hates love, he hates hope. And then he says, as hard as it is to hear, he hates you. And then he goes on to tell a story of him and his wife that were under some intense attacks when he was at his lowest. He says, it was a battle some days just to stay married and to stay in ministry and to stay alive. And this is real. The tag here was Satan can't steal our salvation, but he can steal our joy, and he delights to do it. 
It's a spiritual battle. The third thing he says, it's emotion. He says, your emotions lie, especially when you're depressed or burned out or discouraged. And he goes on and he talks about that, and you can imagine. Number four, I like this. He says, you're most tempted to quit moments before your critical breakthrough. You know what's hard about the low season in our lives? It's hard because you don't know what's right ahead. He says, when you're burned out, you can't see a better future because all you feel is the present pain. And he goes on and tells a little bit of his story. And he says this, he says, you're most tempted to quit moments before your critical breakthrough, so don't quit. I love that. And the last thing he shares is the best thing you can do with the darkness, with those dark moments, maybe like Paul was in, is you bring those things into the light. You bring it into the light, and the light casts out all fear. How do you bring it into the light? He says you tell someone. He says you reach out, you tell a friend, a doctor, a counselor, you get help, and he finishes the article. And if that interests you, you can grab a copy. And, uh, and if you take them all, we'll make more for second service. Um, that'll be fine. But I want to deal with where we are today. And Pastor Bobby, you can come. You may be here discouraged. You might be saying, where is God in my circumstance? Maybe you're here and you're overwhelmed or tired. Or maybe you feel weary or distressed. And you're ready to give up. Well, I want to read you a verse. There's a hundreds of verses like this in the Bible, but I feel like this one in particular may be a word for you, someone today. Psalm 10, verse 17. It says, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them, and you listen to their cry. We serve a God of encouragement. In his presence, we are encouraged. With his people, we get encouraged. And even the fact that the Lord will fight our battles for us, he stops the tracks of the enemy. I just love the fact that we serve a God that cares, that encourages us. And I just believe that there may be some today that need that type of encouragement. I needed that encouragement on Friday this week. If I can just be frank, the, our, we had a board meeting on, uh, on Thursday night that was, we had some sobering news and we're working on the details of all uh, for the building and we're going to have a full report here in the next couple weeks. And, uh, but I went home and I was feeling down like, oh, what have we got ourselves into? And, and uh, I don't want to shock you or anything like that, but the building process has been hard. <laughs> it's just, there's so many details and it's just, and so I, on Friday, I was down, wasn't I? And uh, I was kind of down in the dumps. My parents in town and, which that should be good, but, um, but I was just, I was down. And I told Jessica, I said, you know what's funny? I said, I'm preaching this Sunday how God encouraged Paul by sending him friends, by giving him a word from the Lord and by fighting his battles. And you know what my wife said? She said, she says, I'll be your friend. Aww. And she grabbed my hand.
we just sat there for a little bit. And I got it together and walked out and we had a good night. But I didn't want to go out. But we did. And the Lord was with us. And this morning, I don't know what you're facing. I've been gone for five weeks. I told some people, I was like, I'm just assuming you've been here all the, all the last month. <laughs> and uh, some of you are like, whew, good. Yeah, I, <laughs> we missed, but pastor was gone too. <laughs> but I don't know what you've been going through. You may be here today and you need a friend. Maybe you need a word from the Lord, or maybe you really need the Lord to fight your battle. I'm here to say, we serve a God that does all those things. He provides. And for some of you, God, He wants you to be that friend. He wants you to be that word. And for some of you, you know you need to be in a small group, and you need to figure out a way to do it. But before we pray about those things, I want to just address the fact that there may be someone here that has not found a relationship with Jesus yet. And if you're down and you don't know Jesus, I can't imagine doing it life without the Lord. And you need a Savior, just like I do. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And this morning, we want to offer you a gift. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, is the gift of God is eternal life. He speaks it right into our lives. He takes away our sins. He removes it as far as the east is from the west, and he saves us. He cleans up our hearts. Isn't that incredible? And if you've not experienced that, I wish I could make you do it, but I can't. But it's got to be your heart. And if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I need that. I need salvation. Or maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you've been running. We want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to just ask that you close your eyes, bow your heads. This is between you and the Lord at this moment. If you're here and you're saying, yep, that's me, I need salvation. I need the Lord to save me. I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. Who in first service on September 7th or 2nd? Yes, we got a young lady up front here. Who else? Anyone else saying, yep, I need my life to be right with the Lord. For the sake of the one, is there anyone else? Just give you another second. For the sake of the one, could I just lead you in a sinner's prayer? It's not the words of this prayer that save you, but it's the Holy Spirit. When you pray these words and you mean it, the Bible says the Lord, he comes in and resides in you. And uh, so for the sake of the one, let's just say this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Make my heart clean. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, but today I put my faith in you. Fill me up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we rejoice with the one. Amen. Amen. And sister, you've got a community of ladies that love you and are going to walk with you, and we will walk with you as well. I want you to go ahead here again and close your eyes and bow your heads. I believe the Lord is wanting to minister this morning. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I'm in a place where I need a friend, I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. 
Yep, you need someone in your life. Yep. Yeah, wow. Yep, yep. The Lord sees that hand. You can put it down. If you're here and you're in a season where you're saying, Pastor, I need a word from the Lord. I just need a word from the Lord <laughs> to hang on to. I want you to raise your hand. Who here saying, man, I need a word from the Lord? Yep, lots and lots of hands. I need a word from the Lord. Or if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I need God to fight my battle. I can't do it on my own. I want you just to slip up your hand. Yep, yep. Listen, the majority of people in this room just raised your hand for one of those three things. I'm going to ask that we stand all across this place, and Pastor Bobby's going to lead us in this song, and I'm going to ask you to be bold and to step out as we sing this song and meet me at the altar here. And Pastor Bruce and I, we want to come and pray with you, and we just want to just pray a blessing over you quick that whatever you are facing, that God, he hears, he saw that hand, he knows exactly where you are, and he's going to send you a friend, he's going to give you a word from the Lord, he is fighting your battle, but as Pastor Bobby leads, and before we close completely, I'm going to ask that you slip out from right where you are, and we're talking the majority here, and I'm expecting that you're going to move, and we're going to move fast. And uh, Jessica, if you could help me pray. Brittany, uh, pray with uh, Bobby. That'd be great. But let me just pray. Lord, as we pray and close this time, I pray that you would meet us right here, right now. We need you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Just step on out. We're going to come and pray. You know what I'm thinking? The enemy, what he loves to do, Let's just call it out like it is. The enemy loves for you to think that you're the only one that feels the way you feel. And the truth is, when the heads were bowed and eyes were closed, the reality, and it, may, it kind of surprised me, but there are many here in this room, right here, right now, that are feeling lonely, maybe feeling isolated. They, they were bold enough to say, you know what? You know what I need? I need a friend. Church, we need each other. We need each other. And I just want you to be sensitive that all around you this morning, there are people that are feeling that. And maybe you didn't raise your hand and you need to be the answer to that prayer that they're praying. And God, as he helps us to live in that way, to be fully aware of those around us. Um, supernatural things happen. Think about it. Paul is encouraged and the ministry continues and people are saved and baptized. Paul's encouraged by a word, another year and a half of energy. Paul's, God fights his battles and Paul slips off with Aquila and Priscilla again at the end of chapter 18. Listen, our God, he's a good God and he's with you. He's bringing encouragement. Lord, I pray for a wave of encouragement into every heart and every life right here, right now. Lord, we thank you for this, and we give you the praise. We give you all the glory, and I pray as we leave here now that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, 
Amen and amen. And before you leave, just turn and greet someone. Give someone a hug or a high five, a handshake. And uh, God bless you. Go in the grace of God this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.